Hey everybody, this is Tom Miller, editor of Solar View Magazine, and today we're sharing this audio-only version of our first live training from the RE Energize Your Digital Marketing series. This training covers the six key trends for residential lead generation in 2019. There is a video version of this where you can see all the slides, but you can also download the slides if you want on the Solar Review Magazine. Just look for the links in the show notes. Make sure to sign up for the marketing series to get updates on our latest articles and upcoming trainings. Okay, thanks for listening, and let's get right to the training. Great. Thanks a lot, Tom, and thank you all for uh, for attending today. Much much appreciated. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about this today, and, and um, it was not easy, I'll tell you, getting, uh, uh, getting the <laughs> trends for residential solar lead generation down to six things. Uh, so there's certainly a lot, uh, a lot to talk about. I, I, I hope you'll find what I've, what I've chosen, which I'm about to tell you in, uh, in just a second to be interesting. And I just want to emphasize, as Tom said, that we'd love to have your questions as we go. Uh, don't feel like you have to wait till the very end to, um, to ask them. A uh, quick introduction of, of me and sort of the, the uh, credential which, uh, that I have to talk to you all today. Uh, Energy Circle is a, a company that is 100% dedicated to what we think of as the better building uh, sector. So our client base are solar installers, HVAC companies, home performance contractors, high performance uh, builders and remodelers, uh, et cetera. So uh, any, any business that is in some fashion working towards uh, better, uh, more, uh, more energy uh, independent buildings. We, we have or can claim a client in every state and in Canada. Uh, and as a result of that, we we swim in a lot of data, and you're going to see a fair amount of that today. Uh, we uh, we manage a lot of uh, paid search uh, within Google and Bing, and 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 specifically track about 64,000 specific search queries uh, in that you know in that in the category. Uh, our our kind of what makes us get up in the morning every day is a, is what now we measure north of a billion dollars in renewable and performance building work that we've done. So today you're going to see a fair amount of um, solar specific data, and just want to be clear that this is comes from a mix of uh, what I would describe as more pure solar contractors uh, selling uh, solar install and or battery uh, more specifically, but as well as a number of more integrated contractors that also sell. HVAC. Uh, it's, there's thousands of leads and, and millions of dollars in marketing spend that go into this. But uh, just as a caution, and I'll, I'll say this again when I get to some of that data, uh, there is a bit of a, ge a, a geographic concentration of clients in this in this data set that is kind of coastal. So, you know, heavy emphasis on the West Coast and, uh, and, and the East Coast. Um, uh, so, uh, important to kind of take that with a certain grain of salt. So, here's my uh, game plan in terms of what the six things that I'm going to talk about today. First is uh, paid search advertising and specifically its effectiveness in solar. Uh, secondly, I want to just sort of give you some thoughts about uh, what we're seeing in the data for the general state of the state of purchase leads. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the state of paid referrals, um, something that uh, obviously a lot of people in looking at the solar market uh, think is is kind of the the solution to to high customer acquisition costs. Uh, fourth will be uh, a little bit of discussion about what we're seeing in terms of the manner in which uh, uh, potential clients are getting in touch with uh, with with companies because um, there's some change going on in that. Fifth will be uh, talking a little bit about uh, Google My Business and specifically uh, this phenomenon that's been known as 
kind of Google as your new homepage. Um, and I'll explain what I mean by that, but more and more interaction uh, with companies happening before, uh, before, you know, from a page in Google search before someone even gets to your website. And then lastly, uh, I want to talk about third-party reviews. Uh, this is a something we all know to be super important, but there's a few things that have changed in terms of the importance of third-party reviews uh, going forward that I want to touch on. So that's the game plan. Uh, again, as I mentioned, questions at any time. And I think just to, to give me a little bit of guidance as to what you all, uh, you know, which of these I should kind of give some emphasis to, Chris was going to uh, spin up a little bit of a poll. Um, uh, so why don't we do that now, Chris? Great. So, uh, so uh, the question here, just to give a sense of um, prioritization, is which marketing channel or what marketing channel are you most excited about in 2019? Purchase leads, events, digital marketing, traditional media, uh, or a more integrated approach? And if you could just, you know, give us, we're forcing you to uh, to choose one here. Uh, I know that's not particularly fair, but uh, uh, just trying to get a, a sense of that. So, uh, Chris, I'll let you. Um, I know you can see the the results. Uh, I can't. Um, great. So uh, good. Well, so pretty interesting. A uh, little, you know, tie at 42% for digital marketing and integrated integrated approach, which I uh, I would certainly advocate. Um, interesting to see not much in the in the realm of, of traditional media, um, uh, but purchase leads and events uh, kind of at, at about eight percent. So good. So that's that's uh, that's helpful and pretty consistent with with what I'm about to you know about to say. All right. Good. So let me. Um, I want two things that I wanted just to say before I go into these six things. Um, a key factor and one of the use cases for why uh, your own digital marketing can be uh, important is this question of the ownership of your marketing assets. And uh, and one of the things that you know is a unique aspect of the solar industry is the fact that there have been so many opportunities that the, the segmentation of the lead generation side of the business going to so many lead aggregators that uh, Many companies found themselves in a position in which they, uh, what we call sort of had surrendered some of their assets. So in other words, the point here is that when uh, you have an over-reliance on purchase leads or paper performance, or let's say you outsource canvassing, or potentially we'd see this a fair amount is outsourcing uh, websites to some kind of proprietary thing, you don't necessarily control that, that asset versus taking control of it yourself, in which case, you know, all of those those assets, your website, the AdWords account that you may be uh, you may be working within, the incredible treasure trove of data that exists inside of AdWords, um, the you know your your website, which is an asset that will grow over time if you uh, keep a modest investment in its content content and its SEO, your analytics account, uh, recording of call tracking, so. All of those improvements accrue to your company and, and should lift you know, float all boats in an increasingly uh, uh, powerful way over time if you uh, control them. One of the things I'm going to talk a lot about today is conversion rate, and I just wanted to clarify because it comes up a lot in each of the discussions and what I mean by that. When I talk about conversion rate, what I'm talking about is uh, I've got 100 visitors to come to a website since that is pro for the most part the primary place where we're measuring 
the success of our, uh, our digital marketing efforts. I got 100 people to come to a website. What percentage of them was I able to convert into some form of usable lead? Now, uh, and that typically happens in the case of either form completion or a telephone call that we can track or increasingly a, a chat session. We're going to talk specifically about that. But I just wanted to clarify, that's what I mean by conversion. In a perfect world, uh, the, the, the lead that comes via a website gets logged into a CRM system. And at that point, there is a qualification procedure that happens to determine if that is really a lead. And in, in a perfect world, that's what we would call a lead. Uh, in digital marketing, very often, the thing that we can most measure is we, we were able to capture uh, that name, uh, et cetera. So just wanted to introduce that. And you can see here, you know, across about 33 contractors that I sort of just cherry picked from last year, pretty broad range. You know, you've got some people just uh, absolutely crushing it in the 19% conversion rate uh, and, and, and others, you know, at more 3%. A lot of factors go into that. But, um, but that's what we mean when we talk about conversion. So I'm going to start with, uh, with Google paid search um, advertising. And uh, this is often talked about as pay-per-click or Google Ads, formerly known as Google AdWords, and now they call it Google Ads. And if, if uh, Bing is still a player, Bing uh, Microsoft's product is still a player at maybe 15 20% for, for those that have sufficient budget. Um, just to be clear, what we're talking about are those uh, usually four positions uh, at the at the top of uh, of a search result when someone searches for a particular service in this particular case, solar installation contractor. Uh, one of the use cases and reasons to think about using paid search is the growing amount of uh, real estate that you are given in a in a paid research paid ad. This green box at the top, you see uh, West Coast Solar really taking full advantage of the, the copy within that relative to the three, the three other competitors that show in this particular case. Um, I want to emphasize back to the conversion rate point that uh, generally speaking across all the different mediums that, that uh, we utilize in digital marketing, the conversion rates tend to be the best for paid search. And the reason for that is that well-structured paid search campaigns tend to have commercial intent. In other words, the search term that we are campaigning on, the ad that we are showing, is an ad about uh, about buying. It is, it is getting closer and closer to the point of that person that is really looking for the service. And consequently, because of that commercial buying intent, uh, we tend to get higher conversion rates in paid search than other mediums. Organic is often the, 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 the next best. And social, which in a lot of cases this means Facebook, tends to be kind of challenging from a conversion rate standpoint. Not that 2.6 is necessarily terrible, but tends to be challenging because of the nature of traffic within Facebook not having as much commercial intent. Uh, here's some real-world example of uh, the kind of, um, of performance that we're seeing on a pay-per-click basis. And we'll come back to some of these other lines, but I want to just focus for now on the the uh, uh, the one in the red box, uh, 95 leads, a cost, a total lead cost of $156 a lead. Um, in this case, the this particular company had a 60% lead to sit ratio, a 27% sit to close, resulting in 15 jobs or, or a a customer acquisition cost in this particular case of $963. So. 
judge for yourself whether that those economics are good for you. Most companies would say for a twenty to twenty-five thousand dollar install that something a customer acquisition cost in the range of fifteen hundred dollars is pretty acceptable. So in this particular example, nine sixty-three um, looks looks pretty good. So so uh, I will emphasize that these are you know this is uh, a well-tuned and and uh, and mature account that has you know been going for for some some time. Uh, a little bit of uh, information about cost per click, and this is where I want to be cautionary about the about the data. Uh, these are big buckets of search terms around solar energy system and rebate, which would include tax credit, panels, and install and contractor and solar company. And this is uh, some mushed together data, lots of companies in terms of what you might expect to be paying on a per click basis. And so uh, the, the sort of takeaway from this uh, particular slide is that the most commercial intent, solar install, tends to be the one uh, that has the, the highest cost per click, the most competition and the, the, most, the most willingness amongst the competitors in that market to pay more uh, to get that click. Um, conversion rate, back to that holy grail of what matters the most, uh, is, uh, is, and this is a sort of a, a mix up here, and, and interesting to see that um, solar energy system and solar panels tend to be a little bit on the low side. Not You, you do everything you can to, to sort out uh, the, the buying intent in those, but there can be some, some, some mix in there. Uh, rebate and tax credit tends to perform really well. Install, uh, my, while that has the most com commercial intent, it therefore is also the most competitive. And so the, the challenge to get good conversion uh, is there, where, but this is around seven. Uh, and then you see solar contractor and solar company, which are kind of interesting uh, euphemisms for the same concept. But, uh, but, but in this experience, higher conversion rate. So cautionary here, um, there's a lot of things that go into this, uh, into this discussion, uh, but that's, I wanted to do this for the purposes of giving you kind of some relativity about what you might expect for both conversion and, and cost per click. Um, it's very important to say that um, the, the, the way paid search works is through continuous improvement over time. Three examples here of, of uh, you know of kind of total cost per lead across their uh, across their campaigns in in typical fashion year over year accomplishing at least a 30 percent uh, or higher uh, reduction. So it is a it is very much a process of of um, of, of continuous improvement and tuning. So let me stop there and I'll just before I move on from the purchase. From uh, paid search, um, just want to see Chris. Were there any questions before I go? Um, someone said with paid search, what are the reason that it tends um, to not work out that well? Yeah, good question. Uh, so I would say that the main uh, the main reasons that that uh, I see people trying and then abandoning um, at Google is first of all not giving enough, enough time to, to to do that continuous improvement. Uh, budget matters. Uh, the more the more you can spend, the more data you get, and the more uh, data you have on which to make kind of decisions and move back and forth in terms of the optimization. And then the other thing that I would say is is super critical is 
the um, the experience on the website where the conversion takes place. And you, know, you might call this a landing page. More, more often than not, it is, in fact, a landing page. But it is how how good that experience is. Um, there are lots of factors that go into into that, including quality score and the way Google measures uh, the 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 relevancy of the ad to the landing page. But a really quality experience, leading with your best information uh, at that at that point, and causing that um, that conversion to happen. Uh, if if you aren't well tuned in terms of those landing pages, that tends to uh, that tends to cause issues. I was just going to say that there's a few people that have asked specific questions about pay-per-click and either we'll just get to those at the end or the LinkedIn group would be a good place that we can do those after the whole thing. Great. So we can, yeah. We, my we hope can is get to get through this. Yeah. My hope is to get through in time to some questions at the end. So we'll, we'll come back to those. So, um, all right, purchase leads, and, and I just want to give a little bit of a sense of the state of the state, and this is through the you know the lens of the folks that we're working with. Um, back to some of this um, this data that that uh, I shared before, and now focusing in a little bit on there's two lines here related to purchase lead. One is a non-exclusive, uh, and the other is uh, an exclusive, and and so uh, in the first case, you know, 250 leads at $29, um, 20% lead to sit, 10% sit to close, five jobs. The customer acquisition cost in this case of 1450 is still, so it's higher than what we looked at before, um, higher than organic, higher than, uh, than pay-per-click. Uh, sort of on the edge, in my opinion, of, of economical with respect to, you know, 1500 is a, is a kind of good target number, I think, for, for full customer acquisition costs. But the, the main issue here, obviously, is that um, it, in a non-exclusive basis, as a horse race to get that appointment, um, and uh, and it and you know th these tend to inherently be uh, price shoppers. So the your um, you know your uh, sit to close ratio tends to be on, on the lower side. Uh, interesting here, and it's a much smaller uh, data set, but a $125 exclusive lead really performed uh, pretty pretty poorly. I mean, pretty extensively in this case. One. Uh, one sold job out of uh, out of twenty. So, so there's a general sense that, and I think I hear this from almost all of our uh, of our clients that I talk to, that the the purchase leads market is in a certain state of decline. Um, it's saturated. There's a lot of companies out there, even some of the ones like Energy Sage that had um, you know had previously kind of stood for a pay performance model, have started to mix in a pay per lead model, so that there are, and those are, I would say, those are quality examples of companies that are that are generating um, leads based on really good content, like in the case of, of Energy Sage. But at the same time, generating them on the you know on the basis of finding you the lowest cost uh, lowest cost contractors. So there's a lot of people out there, and and some of those quality companies uh, stand out a little bit less. Uh, those lead aggregators are spending more aggressively, so they're. Uh, you know their spend is greater in the market. Um, there's lots of uh, competition. You know those of us buying leads are are competing uh, with with many others that are buying leads. As I've mentioned, conversion and close rates tend to be in decline. And sadly, and you know, I think we all know this to a certain extent, some of these uh, uh, lead aggregators are are kind of on the sleazy side, right? They're they're acquiring leads through some fairly uh, sketchy practices on in social media and so forth, and so uh, so it's a little it's a little bit tough. Um, 
at the end of the day, I think the point that we like to make is not to be completely anti-purchase leads, but to make sure that when you think about purchase leads, they're, uh, they're a part of a healthy mix. There's, there is a certain duty to them in the sense that you can uh, you know, wake up in the morning, not feel like your pipeline is not where it needs to be, and go buy some leads. That, to me, makes a lot of sense, uh, provided that you are measuring it. If like this uh, example on the on the far right, if, if you are overly dependent on purchase leads, you're in that situation uh, I, I mentioned at the very beginning where you really kind of outsource too much of your uh, of your asset in this particular case and um, uh, and, and, it, and you are at some risk of those not particularly working. So I our belief is it should be you know it can be a good part of it as long as you've got really strong metrics in place to measure whether it's working or, or, or not. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep going. And Chris, if there are any questions on these individually, I'll, you can just stop me, but I'll, I'll keep going in the interest of getting, uh, making sure we have some time at the end. Uh, I want to talk about paid referrals and, and I, many, uh, uh, Folks in in solar. Uh, this is certainly coming from uh, the you know the folks at Green Tech Media who do um, some really good data on uh, on customer acquisition cost across the industry. Many people have pointed to paid referrals as the um, as sort of the savior or the antidote to to the high customer acquisition costs that have existed across uh, across solar. And so, um, so you know, the question is, is it is it working? And um, and and our take is that I think the quick summary of what I'm saying on this slide is that um, if you have a very proactive uh, program, uh, that it can be uh, paid referrals can be a meaningful uh, slice of, a, of of the pie of where your leads come from. But simply hanging out a web page that says, "Hey, we pay." Uh, Four hundred dollars, five hundred dollars for a um, you know for a, uh, a successful referral tends not to do a lot without an active campaign behind it. So our view and our sort of experience with the folks that we're working with is that uh, most everybody has some kind of a program in place, but not many companies are producing a lot of volume. And, and I think the reason for this is that. When I talk about a more active referral campaign, it, it inherently means that you have got to be more actively cultivating the people doing the referring. It's, uh, you, there, there is a, certainly a, um, a, a mix of people. Some people are not going to do anything. Some people are going to make one referral. And there are a few people, those uh, unicorns, that will you know, make their Christmas uh, spending out of doing referrals. They'll actively do it. So, so, but we don't see too many examples um, and of people that are doing this kind of cultivation and nurturing. Uh, so, so consequently, what that means is that uh, repeat referrals tend to be rare. This concept of ambassadors are few and far between. And, uh, the uh, you know a fantastic customer experience does not uh, automatically always result in uh, in that happening. You have to be active and and really ask and and work hard to make those referrals happen. Um, I don't see a uh, uh, 
you know, a magic number in terms of what the referral uh, amount should be. There's a broad range out there. We know, you know, we know someone who pays $1,500, right? If that's my tolerable customer acquisition cost, they're willing to pay that. Uh, I'm not sure that that's really lighting the world on fire. Let's see if the bell curve seems to be mostly in the 400 to $500 range. There is some split in the as to whether or not people want to give 100% of the incentive to the person making the referral, or uh, some folks really like the idea of um, of a split referral, so that the, the the there is a benefit to the person making the referral and a benefit to the person purchasing as well. Uh, we have some small examples of experience where. Uh, where charitable organizations were the uh, recipient of the referral and, and in the right situation, those seem to work uh, really well. And then generally speaking, I think, uh, you know, there are a couple of products out there that are dominant in the industry, get the referral being one. A few folks are using this uh, software called Ambassador. Uh, they tend to be a little bit on the, on the pricey side and, uh, you know, there's advocates and, and folks that feel like they could be better, but overall they tend not to be uh, perfect. So I'm going to keep going and we can, and again, Chris, interrupt me if there's any questions uh, on the on the particular topic. Uh, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about was this, uh, this changing manner in which uh, folks are communicating with us. And I, I like to refer to this as the rise of the instant gratification customer, meaning that uh, in the, uh, the internet fast-paced kind of quick action world that we live in, we see more and more people wanting to uh, get a quick answer to uh, to their inquiry versus waiting for it. And so, so uh, for obviously for uh, for the longest time, the the primary medium in which we tended to to capture leads on a website was via a lead form. Had the advantage of being able to get. Uh, address information so that we could uh, evaluate the home, uh, et cetera. Uh, increasingly, over the last, let's say, three, four years, we saw the rise of the of the phone, um, and uh, I'll show you some data on that in just a second. But the phone became uh, a, a much more uh, uh, surprisingly more prominent way that people contacted, and increasingly today, we're strong advocates of uh, of being of, of, of having live chat capability or at least starting to prepare yourselves for the eventuality of live chat. Uh, people want to use it. Uh, it has to be a good experience. And at the end of the day, it means that somebody on your customer service staff or someone in inside sales has to, has to be good at this particular um, uh, form of communication. But more and more people, especially as the millennial generation starts to come into home ownership and starts to be a more relevant audience for all of us. Uh, it's more and more important. So those are the those big three: the leads, phones, and, and chat tend to be the others. But there's a lot going on. I'm going to talk in a second about uh, Google My Business. Uh, there is messaging capability within Google My Business. There is messaging integration and capability from within Facebook Messenger. Uh, you obviously probably anyone who's Purchasing leads is getting bid requests from those. Uh, there is some speculation; it doesn't exist right now that uh, that you may that that there's a possibility of bid requests uh, coming from Google. Most of us know that Project Sunroof 
uh, is no longer being monetized by Google, but nothing to say that they couldn't go back to trying to monetize that and passing on bid requests. Um, there's a, a product that has become very popular in HVAC uh, called Local Services Ads by Google, which is a, a price per lead product. Doesn't apply to solar yet, but uh, but lots of people think it could easily go there and text messaging. So a lot changing, but the the theme here is that people want um, quick action. Here's this is 135 uh, Energy Circle websites from last year, and I just wanted to give emphasis to this fact that phone and live chat tended to be much larger uh, percentage of uh, of the way in which people contacted than web forms. And and I think this has a lot to do with this concept of instant gratification and the assumption that. Uh, that you're going to get a faster, more uh, specific answer, and that that if form uh, does not necessarily give you confidence that or trust that there's going to be a quick response. So we need more data on live chat, but but we're seeing it. Um, we're seeing it. Uh, the companies that are are deploying it are making really effective uh, effective use of it. Peter, I got a question on live chat. Uh, if people yeah. are looking for instant answers, do you find live chat to be effective? <clears throat> Most of the time, the live chat is third party and um, evasive to answering. Well, yeah. So I, we're advocates of uh, owning the uh, owning the live chat yourself and not outsourcing it to to a third party. Uh, most of the folks, and I, I don't want to, I don't believe I can say that there's I know anyone in solar who has uh, tried an outsource, but many of the people who have tried it in uh, in other sectors in the HVAC sector have abandoned the outsourced approach because it was not it was not a satisfactory experience, right? So uh, because it's not it's not quite as simple as just scheduling an appointment, which is what those uh, those outsourced services tend to be good at. Um, the you know the the modern uh, chat um, uh, software companies have really good ways of uh, separating the people who are kind of question answers who might be you know a mom helping their kid with a book report versus somebody who's really looking for a quote versus maybe one of your existing customers who uh, needs a cleaning or so or, or something like that so really good ways to kind of filter that and make sure that you're getting the real sales uh, opportunities the true leads uh, funneled into the into the right place but we're as I said before, we're big advocates of, you know, finding that person inside, you know, and it can be, it usually can be one to start, right? Somebody who's good at this, um, who's, who's, you know, from that age group uh, um, and is, and is good at it. All right. Um, the no-click lead, and, and this is a um, kind of a phenomenon that's been talked a lot about in the in local search circles, uh, and particularly it's around, um, around Google My Business. And the, the concept here is that this page, when someone searches uh, for your company and gets your uh, your brand search page, right, which is what this page would look like, uh, is increasingly rich with uh, with so much information that uh, we're, we're finding that more and more interactions with companies are happening from this page without necessarily 
ever visiting a company website. And if you just quickly scan down, you know, what you see in the left-hand column with all of the organic listings, you've got you know, you, reviews being uh, very, very prominent from, you know, Facebook to Yelp to Guild Quality, in this case, the Better Business Bureau, even what it's like to work at your company. All of these third-party things that are so uh, are given so much uh, organic ranking uh, prominence by Google. And then you have the, um, the right-hand column, all of that information coming from within your Google My Business um, uh, profile. Uh, this was formerly known as the Knowledge Panel, and just in the last couple of weeks, Google has started calling it the Business pro Profile, which makes a lot more sense, but an enormous amount of, of activity in there and some exciting new things. Uh, if you guys aren't uh, using or experimenting with Google Posts, which is like a little uh, post that goes up for for seven days and then and then comes down. We're finding that those are very effective. The questions and answers are very effective, and making sure that you're really paying attention to the reviews from the web. Uh, in this particular example, they're showing Facebook and Guild quality, um, uh, but there's a there tends to be a mix of things. So. So um, very important. One example of one contractor uh, in you know over the course of a couple of months got 49% of all web originated phone calls came from that business profile panel. We tracked it by a tracking number, uh, and it was a fairly stunning number when we when we learned that. Uh, I do want to emphasize uh, one question about yeah. knowledge panel, Peter. Yeah. Um, so so someone said. And this is like just a really actionable question is how do I know if mine is good enough or not? And if it's not, what do I do about it? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I think I'll go back for just a second. Um, and there's, you know, we've done some other webinars and I think part of the, you know, part of the guidance we're getting from today is, is what to, you know, what to focus on going forward. Uh, you know, I would say the most important thing in the, in the, well, you go down the, you go down the, the, the panel. Quality photography is really important, uh, but but nothing is probably as important as the star rating of your reviews on Google. And just to be clear, uh, what you see, the stars you see showing under Boston Solar, those are just Google reviews, okay? Uh, getting your category right, which I'm gonna talk about in just a second, making sure all your data is accurate, making sure those reviews from the web are, um, uh, you know, are, are good, right? That, that your averages are good in what is showing there, which you don't have any control over. And lastly, the, the review snippets you see down below where there's, there Google algorithmically pulls three things in, uh, making sure that those are quality and preferably containing important keywords. Those are kind of the main things that I would, I would look at to judge the quality of your Google My Business panel. I, I do want to, um, particularly emphasize the, uh, the categories in which you list yourself. So uh, for the longest time, really the only thing in solar was solar energy equipment supplier. And I think many companies that got started, you know, even back in the Google uh, Places days, chose solar energy equipment supplier and have not changed it. And, and over the course of the last year, uh, the new options include solar energy company and solar energy contractor. Uh, we're trying to do some uh, research on what, which of the, which one of those tends to be uh, better. I think our, our our leaning is towards company. The point is, you get ten places in which to categorize your company uh, within the Google My Business system. Are 
the, the first one, what you list as your primary category, is the most important. It's the one that's the most visible and, and generally conceived to be the one that Google gives the most weight to. But you can list all of them. And so you see, for example, you know, solar hot water system supplier, or solar vo vo photovoltaic power plant, which is a, you know, it's kind of where these things come from, nobody quite knows, but it's a little bit odd. But if you're in community, community solar, that might not be a, a you know, a, a, a sort of an irrational one to have. But use them all. Uh, use all ten spots if you if you can. These five are really the only ones that have anything related to solar. All right. Um, last thing I wanted to last thing I wanted to talk about was third party reviews, and and you know, we've all known how important they are. They're becoming even more important. And and so first and foremost, uh, ticked on you know Southern Energy Management, who's doing great in this particular case. But the the first point we all know is that it is just impossible to hide from from these reviews. They in a in a brand search in this case. You see Facebook showing up with stars and Yelp showing up with stars and BBB would show up with stars if they had them and even what it's like to work there with Glassdoor reviews and solar reviews and then the Google reviews on the, on the, uh, on the right, the stuff in the review panel. It is, uh, it is a review-driven world and, and really important. Um, this is a study that gets done annually uh, by a group of um, uh, local search professionals. And, between 2017 and 2018, one of the biggest changes in terms of what they viewed to be a ranking factor for getting into the so-called into the local pack, which I'll show you in just a second, reviews uh, came up year over year uh, more, almost more than almost anything else. So, so increasingly viewed as uh, the one of the key ways to rank in that local pack, the area in the blue, which. Uh, which is a difficult thing to do because Google is very biased towards the proximity uh, in terms of the ranking in there. So the challenge most of us have in terms of overcoming the proximity penalty, proximity what I mean is if I'm doing the search from my office and Google increasingly knows through my phone and so forth exactly where I am, uh, the what they're showing me in terms of these results are the are the physical addresses that are closest to where I'm searching from. So pretty irrelevant from the standpoint of us, right, as service area businesses. But that's the bias that we're all trying to overcome, and reviews tend to be one of the ways to do that. So they become more important uh, for ranking in search. Uh, quantity matters uh, uh, more, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think you need to be thinking about or aiming for in solar in just a second. Diversity is starting to matter, and so uh, you know this is getting beyond Google, beyond Facebook, beyond Yelp, beyond Solar Reviews, uh, whatever is out there. Diversity is starting to matter more, and the keyword text in those reviews we're finding is really driving uh, organic search performance. So, so uh, a bit of an art form to how you try. You know, it's, a, it's enough to request and get reviews. Uh, the art form then is is how you get people to say they did a great job installing my solar panels uh, so that you get those keywords in there. We think that the new standard for most companies in solar is 75 or more uh, reviews. And when I say the new standard, this is partially uh, competitive, right? And this is partially ranking factor. So uh, there are certainly a number of folks, and I know you know many companies on this that have far exceeded 
75 uh, and have literally hundreds and hundreds of, of Google reviews. The, um, there are also folks that just haven't given it that much focus and, and in our view, uh, kind of need to. So those were the six and um, I did pretty good, Tom, in terms of the timing. <laughs> so I know, apologies if I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, if any of that was super rushed, but um, happy to take questions. Uh, what are your thoughts on using Facebook retargeting tools in addition to Google ads? So uh, um, we're a big fan of, uh, of Facebook, uh, uh, both retargeting uh, as well as uh, custom audience development. Um, as long as you put Facebook in its place, you, you recall that slide that I showed which uh, had conversion rates. So Facebook tends to be more of a awareness building medium than it is necessarily a conversion medium. Right? It's taking someone out of the Facebook environment and getting them to you know, to to act like a, a buyer tends to be uh, a little bit difficult. But the um, the capabilities that um, Facebook now has for creating custom audiences, where you can upload your uh, your email list, get a match to that, uh, tell Facebook to give you lookalikes for that, uh, and build up that audience is very very powerful, and we're finding very very effective. Uh, same thing with using um, using video advertising to uh, to build uh, your pools of custom audiences, and then starting to you know as you as you can build those custom audiences and people who uh, who you know have had a certain level of interaction with you, you can essentially start to build a funnel and and move people from let's say the top of the funnel in a much more awareness building kind of mode down into uh, into the middle of the funnel where they're inching them their way towards uh, towards buying intent. So we're big fans of it. The targeting continue. Some of the targeting has been taken away from us because of some of the privacy concerns, but still pretty extraordinary in terms of what you're capable of targeting on and very relatively inexpensive. I mean, quite cheap. Uh, honestly, when you get that targeted, it's hard to spend very much money. So we're, we're big advocates of making having Facebook in your mix. Uh, another question that's that's paid search related is is there an accessible list of solar keyword search terms? Uh, Chris, I, I turn to you. We we've published a, a, a couple uh, over over time. The one thing I would emphasize, so uh, and this gets to the, one of the points I made earlier about sort of the longevity of, uh, of paid search terms. Uh, you know, we know because we're working in solar across the country, we know kind of what the the core set of terms are that that are the most important. And uh, um, uh, however, once uh, once that is established, their unique things happen in almost every market that you couldn't necessarily predict. That somebody in you know East Bay in California. Uh, is really uh, you know, performing really well on a on a particular search term that is entirely different than somebody in Massachusetts. And so, so yes, there's a, a kind of a master list, if you will. One of the things we all know is that the search terms are becoming more and more complex. The actual search queries, so particularly as people talk, uh, you know, talk to their devices to, to to do searches, and people become more trusting of the search engine in terms of asking questions. The diversity of uh, of search terms is is really growing. The old days of you know of the bell curve being almost 100% two-word searches, you know, solar installer, 
uh, are, are less and less the case now, and it's a, it's the so-called long tail of lots and lots of different uh, search terms. Uh, you know, how do I know whether my house is a good candidate for solar? Literally, that's the kind of search uh, search uh, queries that we're starting to see. Yeah, I would also add on search terms that having the right search terms is critical to success, but having the search term be correct itself is not even close to guaranteeing success. So you still need like the right bidding strategy, landing page, like all of those like ad text copy. Um, so it's an element, but you could, someone could give you the perfect list of 20 keywords and you not have a successful campaign. So something to yeah. like think about when planning paid search. Yeah. One other point to make about the, the, you know, when I mentioned the value of the data inside of Google AdWords is, you know, there's not, no better uh, source of good keyword data for your company or your company in your geography than what specific search terms are converting the best. And so, uh, and like I said, that's, and so that, that becomes the very best, you know, no, no amount of keyword research that you might do using, you know, Google tools or, you know, answer the public or all the various kind of, uh, uh, keyword research tools are out there. Nothing is as good as what actually converts uh, for your company. And so that becomes a very important uh, source of information about how to prioritize your your organic search engine optimization work and your content on your website. Excuse me. Uh, uh, question. Is the 75 plus review recommendation across multiple platforms, Google, Facebook, Solar Reviews, or specifically Google? and and I guess I would also add the second part of that question is is what what happens post seventy five like why do we why do we care so much about that that uh, yeah good, threshold good question so first of all the 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 seventy five recommendation in solar is just google reviews and uh and so that we arrived at that by looking at a lot of you know a lot of companies across the country to try to see kind of where um, you know, where are most companies? Uh, it is, it's high, believe me. I, you know, I, it wasn't very long ago that I was, that my advice was make sure you get to five and then after five, get to 10 because that's a ranking factor. So what goes into our, our recommendation about 75 is, is, you know, is, is, uh, is competing with the rest of the sector in solar and where we think uh, because of that competition, because in general some quality solar companies are, you know, really doing well on Google reviews, we think that's the number where it where it's uh, it it is a ranking factor in terms of where you would show up, particularly in that um, in that local uh, in that local pack. So, granted, it's a intimidating number if you're at 10 or 12, something like that. I know a lot of folks on this call are, you know, in the you know in the 300s, but uh, that's our that's our thinking. I'd also add that I've heard anecdotally, I don't know if this is around the 75 number, but I've heard anecdotally from folks that we've worked with that once their reviews get to a certain number, their salespeople start to like, pe people in home start to um, tell them, oh, I saw your reviews, they look great. So there's also an impact on, on the sales funnel itself. Yeah, yeah. I, one, one other thing, and, and I, I, I don't, uh, 
I don't believe quantity is anywhere near as important on the other platforms. And so, so when you think about, um, you know, if you, if you do that kind of searches that I just described for your company and you see, for example, that Yelp is ranking highly or Solar Reviews is ranking highly or Better Business Bureau is, is ranking highly, uh, making sh the, the first priority is just to make sure for the visible ones that are showing that your review averages are strong. Um, but, uh, but in the case of something like the Better Business Bureau, you know, if that's only, if that's two, uh, that's, that's probably fine. I think in Yelp, uh, again, Yelp is, uh, of differing importance in different parts of the country. Uh, and so if you're in the West Coast and in the Bay Area or California, it is, it's a legitimately important thing and lots of Yelp reviews are, are important. In lots of other parts of the country, it's just making sure that your Yelp averages are okay, which, you know, which is, if they're, if, if they're, if you're going to get a cranky review, it's probably, you know, very well might happen on Yelp. So that can be a challenge. Uh, this is from the pay-per-click section. Do you have a suggested percent of marketing budget? Uh, to allocate the paid search. Um, good question. I don't really because um, I, I think it's too individual a, um, a, a an answer with respect to where you are. You know how how big your footprint is uh, in terms of your market, how uh, competitive a market, which you know which, which inherently goes to you know, is it a competitive solar market? How dense is it? Um, and how how widely are you trying to compete so it's a hard it's hard to answer um, uh, I do think you know and we are finding that there's uh, there is certain thresholds in terms of how much you want to spend it not to say that you can't you know get your feet wet with a you know a thousand fifteen hundred two thousand dollars a month in click spend uh, if you want to just get started those are those that is certainly doable but uh, the the you know it is you know it's a it's an expensive category in search right it's, it's different than selling forty five hundred dollar uh, duckless mini splits uh, although many folks maybe on this call may be doing that as well you know selling twenty five thousand dollar systems is an ex is an expensive category in search and so you do need to have a certain amount of budget but I don't think I can really adequately answer how much a factor to think about when you when you think about what percentage should go to PPC is is really from the standpoint of where where do you where are you starting from and how urgent is your need for leads uh, I don't want to create the impression that pay-per-click advertising is instantaneous it takes a while to optimize and get up to speed but of all the things that you can do in digital marketing it is the one that is kind of flip a switch and it's on, it's going right stuff stuff will start happening versus uh, an organic strategy which is going to pay off long term and it's kind of the long long game but if you're if you're not performing strongly in organic now that's going to take you 12 months 18 months to really get up to speed so a lot of it has to do with where you're starting from i like the i like the analogy of like you know how far up the mountain are you and how big is the mountain you need to climb yeah and one thing I, I was talking with a fellow this morning around like how long it's going to take and does it work because I've also been getting a lot of SEO questions is the interesting thing is, is that we know that lead sellers are generating a lot of leads and they are only really using paid search and um, organic search traffic. They use a little bit of paid social, 
but like the proof is in the pudding that they're doing it effectively. Um, so it's not, the question I think is not whether it does work or not. It's known that it works. It's just like, is it right timing for, for a specific business? Mm -hmm. um, that we're at time right now. So I want to be respectful of people's time. So if people want to stick around, they can to do a few more questions. Uh, Peter said he would. A few people have asked about the LinkedIn group. That's a private, uh, and like what the name is it? That's like a private group that you have to join. So that link will be getting sent to people both that attended and that weren't able to attend. So you can click on that in the post event follow-up, which the recording and slides will also be in. Um, so that's how you can get access to that. Um, so uh, Peter, you, you have time for a few more questions? Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely fine, and also my, you know, easy to find me at Peter at EnergyCircle.com. So yeah, I'm I don't mind you know taking some of those questions directly if we run out of time. Okay, um, I'll say this. I'll this next question is so how does one learn more um, or get started with with Google My Business? And I'll ask that Peter, and I, and you can't give me the the sarcastic answer to that question. <laughs> I'm not sure I know what the sarcastic answer is. The sarcastic well, answer is to Google that. <laughs> oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm operating on the assumption that most folks on this call have claimed their uh, Google My Business uh, 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 profile. Uh, that may not necessarily be the case. So if if that's you know first and foremost claim it. You have to go through a little verification process, which might be a phone call, it might be a postcard, make sure it's there. And then um, you know, do the things that I mentioned. Make sure you know your categories are correct, make sure your photos are good, and then start to utilize some of the more interactive things that are available. These Google posts, really quite easy by the way. I mean it doesn't you know doesn't require a rocket scientist. You you could you can they're they're uh, Google posts can be anything. You can put a little image up of the latest great quote, you know, testimonial review that you got. You can do a promotion, you can do a link to a blog post. There's all kinds of things. Uh, it's okay, by the way, uh, you know, confirmed by Google local staff to, to us that you can ask yourself questions. And so uh, make sure that there's no, uh, there's no unanswered questions in there, that, that there's a fair amount of confusion amongst users as to what that question thing is. It's, we've seen some situations where people kind of think it's, a, uh, it's, it's live chat, sort of. So you, you get these questions of, um, you know, are you open right now? Uh, things like that, but but it's okay to ask yourself questions. So populating that makes uh, makes a lot of sense. And more importantly than anything, just making sure your Google review averages are really good, and then working towards those quantities. I'm getting one from um, earlier. Someone said, "What is the difference between exclusive and non-exclusive lead?" I believe this was around purchase. Yeah. So uh, non-exclusive is typically uh, the lead is getting sold to at least you know to you and to at least two other companies. Sometimes sometimes more depending on who the you know what the uh, what the the aggregator is that you're buying from versus uh, versus an exclusive lead meaning that if you purchase that one at a higher price like 125 dollars uh, it's only being sold to you so uh, so that's what I mean in the non-exclusive the price looks uh, the price looks attractive at 25 29 you know 30 dollars something in those ranges, but it is a, it is very much a horse race as to who gets that prospect on the phone first. 
and and speaking of the horse race, there was a, uh, I believe, uh, the success equals sales article that was before this in the Baywatch series. Uh, one of the things to look at in purchase, actually across all marketing channels, is what is your inside sales cost to process those leads? Because a lot of the, like the data that Peter was showing was the marketing cost per sale, but none yeah. of it looked at the inside sales cost and the outside sales cost. And um, I think that particularly for annual planning, people would be surprised if you plug in your own assumptions, how much it costs on the inside sales track to process a lead source that closes at one, two, three percent. Um, it's, it's pretty expensive. Yeah, great point, Chris. And, and then and obviously even more expensive when you're. Uh, you know, sit to close ratio is low. So if you, you know, if you, if you took the time to, uh, to visit and quote that house and didn't, don't have a good conversion rate, that's uh, even more expensive than, than the inside sales piece. Yeah. I think people are wrapping up and people are just saying thanks. Uh, um, Great. Well, thanks everybody. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely chime into the LinkedIn group and, you know, on things like the, how good is my uh, my knowledge panel? You know, we don't. We that's a that's an easy thing. I, I enjoy doing that. So uh, you know, just send me an email, and have, I'm happy to go take a take a look and let you know what I think. Great. Well, maybe I'll just okay. jump in and give a quick wrap up. Um, thank you very much, Peter, for taking the time today. Um, I'll mention three quick things. Um, one is to reiterate to people to go ahead and sign up to the LinkedIn group. That is going to be a really great resource to get high quality answers to your questions, both from Peter and from Chris. So definitely take advantage of that group. Um, all this information we'll be posting online to Baywaz Online Magazine, Solar Review. So go and check it out and get all this information. And we're going to post this video there as well in an audio version uh, of this presentation. And uh, lastly, uh, for Baywa RE customers in attendance, uh, you have the chance to win a five-page 2019 digital marketing plan from Energy Circle. This is a great offer. Energy Circle will connect with you and help develop that plan with you together. Uh, it's limited to the first five attendees that connect with Energy Circle. So that's uh, Peter. Is it Peter at EnergyCircle.com? Yes. Great. Yeah. So reach out to Peter if you're interested in taking advantage of that offer. Um, and as Chris mentioned, we'll have a follow-up email coming out to folks with all that information. Um, and finally, you know, stay connected with us. Ask us questions. Let us know how you think the series is going. We want this to, to be as interactive and useful as possible. We don't want to create content that people, you know, it's not going to be helpful. So let us know what you think um, and let's keep the interaction going and yeah that's it thanks everybody for coming and we'll see you next time thanks tom thanks everybody